Welcome to the Building Healthy Organizations podcast. We understand how the human brain works and how that impacts behavior in the workplace. I'm glad you joined us today for our continued journey to understand how to build a healthy organization. So in this episode, we're going to focus on something that I think is on all of our minds, and that is the virtual workplace. And there are many different elements to the virtual workplace. I was sitting with a group of business owners recently, and we were talking about the virtual workplace. What does it look like now? What does it look like in the future? Several of the owners wanted to go back to the old normal. I just want to get my people back in the workplace. I just want to get everybody back in the office so we can all get together again and talk and and work things through and 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 be more productive. And I stopped them right there and I said, let me ask you a question. Did your productivity drop significantly when you went to a virtual workplace environment? And the answer was no. As a matter of fact, most of them said something like, well, we were kind of surprised that overall our productivity hasn't really dropped that much. And that's why I want to take some time today and talk about the virtual workplace. What does it look like? What does it look like going forward? What are the challenges around the virtual workplace? All of those are important. I think what we have to understand is that change is inevitable. That is that is the norm. And there really isn't going back to any kind of an old normal. We are moving forward. We are working with the current situation in the best way that we can And a big part of that is to just embrace the change. We may not like it, and it's probably, if we don't like a change, it's most likely because we're uncomfortable with it, uncertain about it, or just don't know where it's going. And for for high D individuals, so on a personality, a DISC personality test, A high D is somebody who's very driven, very controlling, wants to move things forward, and controlling not in a bad way, just very competitive, very focused on the bottom line, that kind of thing. I am one of those. And they want to be able to understand things, to be able to control things, and move things forward in a positive fashion. And that's hard to do in a changing environment. But guess what? Every other personality type, whether it's the high I, which is influence, the high S, which is steadiness, the high C, which is compliance, everybody's going to struggle with change. Change embracing is a choice. And it's a choice that I would ask people to develop as a muscle. Uh, Just agree that change is coming and figure out how to build that change muscle. Now, it doesn't mean you have to uh, to accept every change that comes along. You certainly have the right to make decisions about those things. But make a choice. Don't just hide from it. Don't just resist it. Understand it. 
and then decide whether you want to move forward with that change or not. The virtual workplace is going to be one of those issues that gets worked on over the next couple of years, really, maybe longer than that. There will be a lot of tension involved in that. And let's talk about that. I mean, what are the challenges of the virtual workplace? Number one, how do you lead and manage in a virtual work environment? I think that's a very fair question. How do we do that? Well, we can't just have everybody come to the same place and do it like we used to do it if we're in a virtual workplace environment. That means more connection. It means more communication. It means building into our daily routine those touch points that allow us to reach into people's work lives and ensure that they're properly equipped, properly resourced to do the things that that they're being asked to do. That's not that hard to do if you build process around it. Another big question is how do we motivate people in a virtual workplace? Well, from what I've heard from employees, working virtually is a motivator in itself. Maybe not as much when the kids are home with them, but certainly the freedom that people have to work in that environment uh, provides additional opportunities. Um, Connection is a big one. How do we maintain good workplace connections? And that's something that needs to be worked on. It's something that needs to be a priority because if you want to have influence in your organization, influence comes by having good connection with people and building trust with them. That's how you gain influence. Connection plus trust, those both make deposits into the influence bank account. And the more influence you have in that account, the more you can spend. So connection, motivation, influence are all critical factors. All of that can be addressed by the use of newer technologies, by ensuring that we have the right processes in place. And I go back to something I've said in an earlier podcast. When you look to hire new talent for your organization, hire right the first time, the right fit for the position, the right fit for the team, the right fit for the organization, the right fit for the culture, the right fit for the values. If you hire right, that goes a long way to creating additional health and more vitality for your organization. Recently, I've been working with a client who has had some real questions around some big decisions related to the virtual workplace. And I thought this client would be a great example because those questions were everything from, do we keep our office space as it is, or do we downsize? What do we do as far as sales goes? How do we approach a virtual workplace for the types of projects that we do? 
a lot of really good questions that I think a lot of organizations will will have very similar situations. So let's start with some of the the office space, the footprint. Um, we talked about some options there. The first thing that I ask this client is, is your kind of work possible to do well from a virtual workplace? And the answer immediately was yes. They do a lot of, of work that is easy to do no matter where they are. So because of that, it really opened the door once the owner was able to release the feelings about having everybody in one place, it really opened the door for the opportunity to reduce the size of their current office footprint, save a ton of money, and continue being productive, which they have been. The next big question was, what about sales? And I will have another episode specifically on selling in the virtual environment. But today I just want to touch on a few key things. Number one, in sales, it's important to understand that it's the connection, human to human connection, that is critical. That's never going to go away in the sales dynamic. It is going to be a buyer-seller dynamic going forward. Otherwise, it's just order-taking. So if all you're doing is taking orders, then there that doesn't really line up with virtual sales that I'm talking about. But most organizations that sell products or services are now challenged with how do we sell in a virtual dynamic. The foundational elements to that are exactly the same. You connect and you build trust with others so that you can gain influence with them and that you can work with them and sell them. The way you go about it now is different. I've created workshops and and specific skills training around the 15-minute prospect Zoom call or Skype, whatever your favorite, or Teams, whatever your favorite software is. But how can you be highly effective in that initial 15 to 20-minute call or contact with someone. And by the way, buyers are really enjoying this virtual dynamic. They don't have to set aside an hour for a salesperson. They can do it in a short phone call. They can see how people are going to react and respond, which by the way, goes back to previous episodes on hiring and how important it is to get people that are comfortable selling in a virtual dynamic, if that is the case for your industry. We're never going to get rid of the face-to-face, but the face-to-face may look a little bit different going forward. It may not always be in-person face-to-face. It may be FaceTime. It may be Zoom or Skype or Teams. There are many different options. And frankly, the highly successful salespeople today that have a history of success are already adopting many of the virtual selling opportunities that have been available for more than a decade. So once we were able to focus in on that situation with this client, 
the virtual selling dynamic, they were able to create a process that allowed them to reach more customers. Uh, I was I was working with another client recently, and I'll share this with you because it's it's kind of funny. I had a chance to talk to their sales team, and this was back maybe the first six months after the pandemic and the shutdown started. And I asked some very simple questions. The first question was, well, uh, who are you talking to? And the answer was just across the board. Well, we can't talk to anybody. I said, really? I said, well, I understand you can't go see people face to face if they're limiting that, but who are you talking to? Well, because they can't see us, that's how we do our sales. Well, I think you know where this is going, right? So my next question is, so who in this room has done a Zoom or a FaceTime or a Skype or a Teams with somebody recently? And the response was, do a what? <laughs> which, which was part of the problem. Um, so many people self-limit. So many people say, I can't do that. And then there's always a reason behind it. This is where I go back to embracing change. For those who want to be successful, they will find a way. For those who have not just the logical processing capabilities, but the emotional intelligence processing capabilities and capacities, when you put those things together, they become very effective in the virtual workplace. Whether you're a leader and influencing people or you're a salesperson and selling to buyers, uh, ran across a fascinating study that the RAIN group did last year, R-A-I-N group, did last year about virtual buyers, what they want versus what uh, salespeople were actually giving them in the virtual environment. And I highly recommend you look that up because that was a fascinating study. And buyers were telling exactly what they wanted. And top on their list was, could you please just let, just walk through my journey with me so that I can better understand what my issues are? Because as we all know, a lot of times buyers don't really know what all their issues are, their problems are, or they'd solve them themselves. So they wanted somebody, their number one item on that survey. The buyers were saying, please have a genuine conversation with me, exploring my journey and what's going on here. That could be such a lever when it comes to virtual selling. Just having a process in place where you, what I call a discovery process, where you can really help the buyer understand what they're dealing with. And then you can start as you're connecting and building trust and growing your level of influence, you can start to bring in those things that you can bring to the table for them. But it's got to be buyer centric. It's got to be customer focused. What is their pain point? What are the emotions they're having behind their pain point? What are the emotional detractors, the emotional drivers involved in that? There's a huge advantage 
if you can understand how someone is feeling about their current situation and how they'd like to feel, if that was resolved for you, Mr. Buyer or Ms. Buyer, if that was resolved to your satisfaction, what would it look like and how would you feel? They will tell you the things that you need to know. You just need to ask them and ask them in a very inviting, open, authentic, and genuine way. So as I was working with the sales team in this client and asking these different questions and just trying to get them to start thinking about options, I think the light started to dawn on that group I think they've done a great job. They've got a new sales director in there who has done a fantastic job uh, since we've had that conversation with that team. So I think it's moving in the right directions there. But it's moving in the right direction because somebody decided to embrace change and move forward. And I think we all need to understand, while we don't have to accept every change that comes our way, we at least need to make an informed decision about whether we embrace it or whether we reject it. And what are the consequences of that? That's applying consequential thinking and looking at different options. So we've talked a lot in this episode about the virtual workplace. This is a topic we could have a hundred episodes on and focus in many, many, many different facets of the virtual workplace. We've only touched on two or three of those facets today, but I think the keys to understand are ask good questions and understand the outcomes or consequences if you go one direction or a different direction. Take the time to work through the possibilities. Making arbitrary decisions right now without a complete understanding of the continued uh, evolving process of the virtual workplace could paint yourself into a corner. And I'd recommend against that. Use the best of those things. Make it an employer branding issue where people want to come work for you because you've created ways, you've created processes, you've created reward systems for being highly productive in a virtual workplace. We've talked specifically about some solutions in dealing with the virtual workplace. And the first one very much is about mindset, understanding how the brain works and how that impacts behavior, which we have both in our introduction and and as we leave you in every episode, that's our specialty. And we understand that when there is great uncertainty, when there is fear and anxiety around the unknown, the more certainty, clarity, and process you can bring to you and your team and your organization the more people will be able to embrace change effectively. And remember in a previous episode, 
I talked about the definition of agility, or at least my definition of agility, and that is the ability to take advantage of opportunity with speed and efficiency. One of the things that has suffered the most in the virtual workplace has been agility. And you can tag on to that resilience and motivation and maybe several other things. The reality is the ability to have high levels of agility and resilience and motivation are still there. We just create those and grow those in different ways now that we're in a virtual workplace. So the first thing is embrace those changes that will help you, that will help your organization and create a change embracing organizational value where people are willing and as a matter of fact, even eager to embrace change. And I know that sounds like a paradox. It sounds uh, counterintuitive. But the reality is that is a cultural aspect based in values that you can create in your organization. And if people become excited about the next change, the next possibility, the next opportunity, it gets people focused forward. And I think that is a key element I want to talk about for just a minute. So many people are focused backwards right now. If we can help people focus forward, understand that we are moving into a new chapter, that there are new possibilities, new opportunities. Do we have optimism? Do we look at the future with hope and possibility or are we stuck in a scarcity mindset? Is it abundance? Is that what we're looking at? The lens we're looking through? Or are we looking through the lens of scarcity? That's a huge issue. If you say the lens of scarcity is what our organization is looking through, you're not in a good place. Uh, that I was thinking of the most diplomatic way I could say that. That's not a good place to be. Uh, because have you ever driven down the road in your car and something on the side of the road catches your eye and you focus on it for a second and all of a sudden you find your car going in that direction and you, and you have to realign real quick to get back on the road. Well, what you're focused on in business is where the car will go. So if you're focused on the negatives, if you're focused on scarcity, if you're focused on, on discouraging things, and I'm not saying be unrealistic, but look at the things that are positive. Focus on possibility. Decide where the opportunities are and move towards those. Help your people move towards those. That's how you can embrace change, look forward to the next change. And one quick plug for emotional intelligence here. I just finished reading the most recent Gallup survey. They call it the State of the Workplace 2021 survey. And there are some very sobering statistics in there. Uh, it's global survey, but in the United States and Canada, in North America alone, 
the amount of stress, significant stress, people are experiencing in the workplace is, I believe the number was 57% in North America. That's unbelievable. Almost 25%, almost a quarter of the people were angry on a regular basis. And there were other measures. The thing that I was most interested in was that a lot of what was being measured were emotional components. We are going to see a wave of mental health issues, of well-being issues, of engagement issues. We're already seeing a decline in engagement across the globe. Uh, Engagement as defined as someone's emotional commitment to the work and the effort. How much are they really putting in? where a lot of people are moving now to be more neutral or even disengaged. All of these things can be addressed. They can be measured. They can be designed into a developmental program, into well-being programs, into support programs, into leadership development programs that can help your organization become healthier and move in the, the right direction, the, the preferred future that you would like to see for your organization. And I would encourage you to take the time to review and reflect on where you and your organization are today so that you can make your best decisions for tomorrow. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. We do understand how the human brain works and how that impacts behavior in the workplace. I hope you'll join us for our next podcast and also check out our YouTube channel by the same name. And for more detailed information, feel free to visit our website, gscfit.com.